as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. So, speaking of volleyball, we're going to talk sports with football Fred Alfaro and. Uh, Regardless of what I want to talk about, we're going to talk about two-a-days. I never had to do it. I don't know if you did, Fred. I had a friend who did it when I was much younger, and uh, it was wicked. And uh, he ate, let's see, the only thing he could eat because it would stay down was like mashed potatoes, and he would throw that up anyway. So, Football Fred, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. So, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, uh, man, that's that's a lot of questions you have there. But first of all, I admire your dad watching some volleyball. That is some some nice nice athletes playing playing that that sport. I admire those 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 young ladies and men that do it now at the college level. But that, that's fun to watch, and you have to be in person. It's it's much more competitive. You really see it in, when you're in person, especially at the college level. I, I'm, I bet he loved that, huh? Oh yeah, he loved it. Well, he liked anything yeah, connected well, put, with Texas A and M. So sure. Sure, sure. Well, he, well, football season is just around the corner, guys. High school football. You know, if if you had, if your team had spring football, in other words, they played towards the end of the season and they ran a couple of weeks of basically t- organized team activities, you won't have to worry until August, eh, I would say August, August 7th, until they start really getting going. But the, the conditioning has already begun for all teams. You you pass by high school uh, stadiums or uh, high schools. You have the individual mm-hmm. stadiums at the high schools. You're going to see these guys running back and forth, along with the band. By the way, the band also started their conditioning. Oh. So you have everybody under the hot sun, kind of getting together. And this is so important. Coaches will tell you that this portion of of you know the game is very important because this makes or breaks the season. You're like, wait a minute, this early? Well, what yeah. happens, remember, some of these games are coming up, and you've got to be well-conditioned to stay long, you know, stay in the playoffs and then a long season and all this other stuff that comes with it. And this is where you where you build your, your, your body to be stronger so you don't have to worry about injuries. And if you do, your health will be much better because you're being well, in, in good condition. Well, I, so, so yeah, that's this is an important part of, of, the, of the season, especially football season, uh, high school football. We've all seen people... Uh, working outside, obviously, but also people uh, running outside, some with shirts off, some with shirts on, and you that guy's crazy. And I know, I've been told, you can condition yourself to endure that. You know, bat- battles, like battles in Afghanistan, didn't wait till it cooled off before things happened. Some. Right. So uh, do you know how right. long it takes? And I would think for an 18-year-old, it would be uh, not that long. Right. Well, it depends. You know, most of these athletes have gone through summer workouts. The the, the, the athletes that, that have done that are going to be better conditioned than the guys 
like I used to do. Hey, it's summer. I ain't going until I have to. <laughs> so, you know, you're the one that's going to pay for it. You're the, you're the one that's going to remember what you had for lunch every single practice. You know what I mean? So, so that, that's what happens is some of these guys have to really work at it. Um, now, even then, some of these workouts that they're doing now, a lot of them still are voluntary. They don't have to show up. But now that the conditionings are, remember, when they start, for, for all intents and purposes, on the 31st, it's where the not organized activities begin again. So you can start already maybe wearing helmets, no, no pads, but just helmets and stuff mm -hmm. like that. By that time, if you haven't been in any workouts or any type of conditioning, could you imagine what you're going to feel like in the first couple of days? Now, some of these pro athletes, we just saw the Cowboys. I mean, not just the Cowboys, but a lot of other, other players, too, that went back to camp or started already uh, a training camp. And what happened to them? A lot of pulled muscles, a lot of strains. <laughs> all these things are going to happen because you thought you were in good condition. All of a sudden, you're not. You know, so that's very important. This is the, the base. Of, of what you're going to be doing during the year. And so a lot of these young athletes have figured out, hey, the more time I spend getting myself ready, by the time, you know, mm -hmm. the workouts officially two days begin, then, then I want to be ready for it. And I think most of the Valley now is starting to figure out that that's the way to go. Well, uh, we're talking with football Fred Alfaro from Westaco, but I guess I, should, I don't know why I want to point this out, but I do. But you'd have to – be able to accommodate the heat, to navigate the heat, to, to work in the heat before you get right. to really learning, learning football or learning whatever you need to know about the, right. the coming season. And I, well, you, I guess that's... Yeah. yeah, they do a good job. The trainers, the trainers go through classes and they, they, they get trained specifically on how to train athletes and how water breaks and other, you know, preseason, pre non-district games are going to happen. Remember, mm -hmm. the first set of, of actual... Uh, scrimmages, school against school in scrimmage session, not an actual non-district game, but just a spring, you know, like a, like a practice, mm -hmm. basically, with another team and hitting, happens on August 12th. Whoa. That's just around the quarter. Once you think about it, it's only a few days away. So these, these trainers, you got to give it to them. They, how they prepare the athletes, how they get them ready to, to, to get used to the heat. And remember, it, 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 it goes up a notch. When you start playing up against another team, because now all of a sudden you're really going out there. The kids don't know the difference between a scrimmage and an actual game. They play 100%. That's, that's what the, most of these athletes do. So the, these trainers uh, understand what it takes, and, and they pull them out if they have to. They sit them down for a while. They take plenty of water breaks. They are the, the heroes, let me tell you, on mm. this team, because they got to be watching these athletes real closely at any, any sport, really. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm just thinking about the bands and other guys, other, other, other sports that are also have done. Uh, you've got volleyball that just got started not too long ago as well. So you've got all these things really vamping up now. What, what does Texas uh, Interscholastic League rules, which I gather govern, govern this, what do they require? You can't start doing it in June or July, I guess. Well, time periods, the timed time periods. They don't. They ask you to to work out early in the morning, late in the evening. Matter of fact, it's interesting because a lot of you're going to hear this in the news pretty soon. There's a lot of schools that, or not a lot, but a handful of them, especially in the, at the smaller classifications, 4A and 5A, that they do midnight madness practice. Hmm. They call it midnight madness because they'll go out there at 11:30 midnight, 
and they yeah. will kick off the season by practicing at around that time. That the, the coolest part of the <laughs> of the day or, or, or morning. So they, they do that. So a lot of these teams will be early birds. They're up by six thirty. They've already hit the field. Ah. They're done by nine. By, they're done by nine o'clock, or vice versa. But they the, won't start till after six. But the know, coach gives them the evening. Coach gives them like uh, conchas and coffee in the morning, right? They. They have a little breakfast well, you know, buffet. You, you'll be surprised. Uh, I asked some of these coaches that start early. They said that the kids are used to it. I said, well, wait a minute. You know, usually don't that doesn't go along with teenagers. You know, teenagers <laughs> don't get up at 6 in the morning unless they are made to. But that tells you the dedication these athletes have to be up at 6, 6.30, even, even earlier, because you're already at 6.30, no later than 7. You're already on the football field. So these athletes start early. A lot of these, a lot of these athletes will start just because of the heat of the day, and they give you time periods. UIA will tell you take you can't work more than three hours, four hours in a practice session. You got to take breaks. So they pr- try to protect the athletes as much as possible. Uh, they're trying to avoid obviously the heat strokes and all the problems that come with with that. And you know, and so far the valley has done a good job. We know the heat. We know how it gets. And you know, come come uh, the games in non district, which mm-hmm. is, happens in the middle uh, of of August. The first few games start on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Are of you August. serious? That's when the season kicks off. Lord, yeah. Well, uh, we're twenty twenty five days away now. What What did the private What do private schools do? Uh, if they do anything at all, and there is a private school, what's the word? Private school. Uh, there, there, there are private schools who play each other, and then I've, I've also seen private schools who play public schools down here in some things. Right. Well, some most of these private schools will, will have a division for themselves. They, they'll, they'll, you know, the amount of students that they have, will obviously, compared to a public six A school, is it's, it's, it's not fair. I mean, you have much more many more uh, student body numbers than, than mm-hmm. the other than, than the other schools. So so they form their own independent leagues and they are made of private schools. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example, St. Joe up in Brownsville. They've been oh, independent yeah. for themselves for a long time. They've been in and in, in, they play in a in a Catholic school division, which all they do is play private schools, if you would that are the same, same, uh, about the same size they are. So that's when you hear them play San Antonio Anthony. They play San, you know, mm-hmm. they play Corpus Christi, so-and-so. And they're from out of the area because th- most of these teams are private schools. They'll, they'll play them because it's a fair matchup. They, they can't play a 6A school. Not that they wouldn't do well. It just wouldn't be fair. You know, the number of, of, number of students that you have and, and therefore athletes trying out would be one-sided. And so that would not be fair. And so, you know, does it mean that uh, a good team can't beat a, a six eight? We've seen that before. We've seen a smaller school beat a bigger school. Yeah. We've seen that, but necessarily private because again, the numbers are much smaller. Well, what if they got so that goes? But again, if they got the biggest Catholic school in Texas to play whatever public school, and they had just a whole bunch of nuns and priests out there praying, yeah. uh, I bet they could win. <laughs> well. You know, you're a Catholic uh, school I'll kid. I can you, hear it in your voice. You can do that as much as you like, but you know, you still have to block and you still have to tackle. <laughs> that's just that's just part of the game. You know, it's like basketball. You still got to dribble. You still got to shoot. All the other stuff. Well, you know, it's, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. You can do whatever you feel, but at this point, I think, and that's what they're doing. They're building right now. At this point, they're about to start from ground up and start building, yeah. with conditioning first, and then build up. 
Uh, and before we get to Labor Day, high school or what they call schoolboy football will begin in earnest in between now and then. You know, that's not that long of a okay. time to, to get conditioned, to get accommodated to the heat so you can perform and then to learn learn your stuff. So, Right, right. You're running out of time here. You're, next yeah. week, everybody ramps up. But again, remember, keep in mind that these these uh, these Ten games four. that are non-district games, but they, they they're for, for basically for training and conditioning yep. skill against another team, and the Valley is very big on that, will start the week of, of or the days of the 25th and the 26th. So it's on a Thursday and a Friday. We have right. games on Thursdays and then games on Friday the 26th. So mark it down on your calendars. We'll be talking about it as the... As the season gets closer, it's just not too far away. All right, football, Fred, this is the last thing he does, and uh, now he's going home. I am not. This is my home away from home, and yours too, we hope. This is the 956 Drive Home here on 17K URV. I'm Davis Rankin. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Listening to rich, crystal clear audio is as easy as saying, Hey Alexa, hello. Play 710 KURV. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. For the latest news and live programming while on the go. To work or picking up my kids from school. Download the KURV app on your Google Play Store or Apple App Store. Or ask Alexa to connect you to News Talk 710 KURV. Hey Alexa, play 710 KURV. The Rio Grande Valley's News Talk Station. So what station? It's News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. We got to have a conversation, ladies and gentlemen, about some of our people in Congress and in the Senate and just in office in general. And it's going to be kind of an awkward conversation. You may have heard the incident of uh, Senator Mitch McConnell and uh, Dianne up. Feinstein. They all had their respective um, episodes in the in the past few days. And here's the thing: this is not a this is not a, a knee jerk. Hey, you know, red team red versus team blue type thing. This is a real mortal and potentially even existential type of uh, discussion we're going to be having here over the age limit. So Raven Harrison joins us now, political strategist from RavenHarrison.com, former congressional candidate as well. So where do we start off with this? Uh, Let's start with the the episodes in question with uh, Senate McConnell and Senate uh, Senator Feinstein. Uh, what, What happened to them specifically? Well, you know, we don't know. We're getting uh, conflicting information, but I, I think that these are things that both, in both instances with Feinstein and Mitch McConnell, we watched that in real time. It was scary. It was disturbing. And it was absolutely par for the course of what we've been talking about. A lot of us have been talking about, about having term limits. This is the issue. Uh, people want to put this about experience. And I I like to tell people, as much as I hate to make this reference, you know what, actually, I do love to make this reference. I tell them the Titanic had experienced leadership, too. This is Whoa. what we need to be looking at. Who are the ones who are running our government? And it's not just the two of them. If you take the aggregate age, I mean, Joe Biden's going to be 83. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, 82 years old. Uh, Mitch McConnell, you know, all of uh, Feinstein. All of these ones have been in for 
decades and they're all, you know, in, in advanced age and we're starting to see the same pattern repeat. So it is a conversation, albeit uncomfortable, we need to start having. Yeah, it's kind of like when you have a when you have a vehicle and it's up there in the in the mileage, but hey, it's running fine, you know, until belts start coming apart and you need to start ordering <laughs> you know, re- repair parts and things like that to replace it. And yeah, I, I can see that. So the the proposals that have been at our table have been there for quite some time, introducing term limits, and I don't I don't see Congress. Uh, well, first off, let's talk about what term limits are and what has been proposed in the past that are. Uh, term limits before uh, I start speculating and going off on a tangent here. So let's talk about term limits. What are they? Okay. Well, term limits are trying to limit uh, these branches of government. The government was set up to be a check and balance system with the three branches. Uh, and the problem that we're having right now is we've got the executive branch, which is the president, limited to two terms. That is a term limit. So no president can serve more than two terms. And that was done to can ensure that we have the balance of power. But then you have the other branches of government. You have the judicial, which is the Supreme Court. These are appointed to lifetime appointments. So we're seeing that more and more. How are they replaced? When a Supreme Court justice either uh, steps down or passes away, but their appointments are for lifetime. And then you've got the chambers of the House, the House and the Senate. And we've got the same thing. We've got Pelosi. Uh, before he became president, Joe Biden, had been in there for decades, four and five decades. So 50 years for a lot of these politicians, they've never had real jobs. And how is that a check and balance oversight when the president is limited to two, the Supreme Court is lifetime appointments, and the upper and lower chambers of the House are allowed to serve indefinitely for decades, despite their health, despite their age, despite you know, cognitive decline and mental declines that a lot of people see with getting older. It's just, it's a very um, uncomfortable area that we have to talk about, about how this government works and why it's not functioning properly. Yeah. And it's interesting because how would you even implement it? Because you're you're effectively telling Congress, hey, can you limit yourself? And they've never, ever done that in the history of anything. Uh, Raven Harrison is a political strategist joining us on 710 KURV. Uh, Davis Rankin, go ahead with your question. What about, uh, instead of term limits, an age cap? Uh, it's not uncommon for people to, for there to be a 65-year-old limit to how, how, how old you can be and work somewhere. Why not do that, 65, 70, and that solves the other problem? Well, I would say it's a great question. I would say that, you know, age and experience sometimes go hand in hand. But I believe that the way that the check and balance system was designed to work with our founding fathers, this was supposed to be, government was designed to be a civic duty, mm-hmm. not a career uh, for, for failed human beings, which is what it's turning out to be. We don't have the ability to separate that out, but I believe that if the checks and balances of, of limiting the terms are good for the executive, then why wouldn't they be good for the others if they're supposed to work in synergy? Well, you may be making too much. i throw this out for conversation. You may be making too much about uh, two terms being enough. After Roosevelt got elected to his fourth term, was it? He decided they, they'd had enough. And then he didn't finish his, his fourth term, but... Um, but I'm not, they didn't do it, in other words, out of uh, high-mindedness. They did it out of kind of the Republicans out of self-preservation, or I guess Democrats, too. 
Well, correct. And the the operative word there being they. <laughs> they had had enough. Had he had enough? Probably not. <laughs> so that's what we we want to be mindful of, of right now. I just think that it's 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 good to have you know an influx of ideas and fresh ideas and and just not letting um, any one branch get too comfortable mm-hmm. with what they're doing. Uh, so it's just something that needs to be looked at. Now we're seeing it seems to be accelerated over the past few months of this happening on both sides of the aisle. So it definitely is not an R or a D issue. It's a, um, is this a, a good and effective way of governing going no. forward? It's just letting people just be there for 60. I mean, Feinstein's been in government for six decades. She was there before the internet. Let that <laughs> sink in. I mean, that's, that's something. So a no. lot of these people and the politicians now, they platform on fixing the problems that they themselves are probably the ones who created. They've been there six decades. So, Ray, Raven uh, Harrison is from the state of Texas. She is a political strategist yeah. joining us on 710 KURV. And let me let me throw this out here, too, because it's not like if they were to get run out of office, it's not like they wouldn't have a political future either. I mean, these guys, there's a, there's a revolving door of assistants and consultants and lobbyists and, and all sorts of things up there in Washington, D.C. It's not like they... It's not like their entire career is over if they were to uh, install term limits and and basically vote themselves out or, or cycle themselves out, I should say. Well, correct. And again, and that that can be valuable. You know, having the experience to advise and uh, give perspective, especially on as things change, situations change, foreign policies change. It would be great to be able to rely, like you would, on any elder for experience. However. When we start getting to the point where um, we're, we're missing votes, we're absent a lot of the, the time and mobility and things, basic things to be able to bring a bill to the vote and things like that become compromised, then we're just, I'm just not seeing as much, and most of us are not seeing as much, of people just regulating themselves saying, you know what, I think it's time uh, for, for me to step down. It's just, it's, they're just there to the end, no matter whether they're capable of doing the job or not, and we have to demand better should there be an age limit on the presidency that seems to be another question that's been thrown out recently you know i don't think when you've got a term limit on the president when you've got them capped to two that putting that layer on it as well is a benefit i believe they've already got a cap on the on the presidency and it's up to us to make sure that we don't vote in people we feel are going to be not up to the task i mean i just feel like we've had presidents ronald reagan was an older president phenomenal and you've had some of the other ones um that were younger and have had mixed popularity but you know we're seeing currently right now i mean joe biden is falling apart in real time and it's actually disappointing i don't know anybody who should be celebrating watching him struggle this way but that's i i guess by case by case basis RavenHarrison.com is the place to find more on Raven Harrison. Tell us about the uh, podcast and when is the next episode dropping? The episodes drop on Thursday, and um, we usually like to give people the front line so they can they can see what the escape is and what's going on. So uh, Raven's Radar usually shoots on Tuesday and drops on Thursday. Hey, thanks for spending some time here with us today, Raven. Appreciate it. Raven Harrison is a political strategist at ravenharrison.com. Joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com.
I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? To stand up to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only News Talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Over the weekend on Saturday, Mexlan Festival, there was the announcement we have a new sister city in McAllen. Officials from McAllen and Puerto Vallarta signed the agreement and Joining us now on 710KURV, the mayor, our dear fearless leader of the city of McAllen, Javier Villalobos, he joins us now. So let's talk about Mixlan for a second. That event has evolved and turned into such a, a wonderful festival in, in the short time that it's been around. So how did it go this weekend? Hey, gentlemen, how y'all doing? Hey. You know what? It was excellent. It was an excellent event. You know, I think people after COVID and everything, they're really ready to get out there. Last year was pretty good. This year, to me, was even better. So we had a tremendous event. Um, starting with on Thursday, starting on Thursday, we begin with our with our gala, and then of course Friday, different events for the whole family. Yesterday, lucha libre, which was very very well attended, and then of course uh, our sister city with Puerto Vallarta. They came in, I, I believe, on Friday or Thursday night. And we had a great, we had a great event. Puerto Vallarta, we were there last year. We signed over there. And, of course, they were committed to come. So we finally finalized everything. And welcome to the family, like we tell them. What does it mean to be a, a sister city? You know, a lot of the times uh, people kind of wonder, what is that? Well, what we try to do is promote each other. Uh, for example, when we are in Mexico, it is amazing how they recognize McAllen from, from Mexico City. I was in Tampico last month, uh, Monterrey, and even Puerto Vallarta. They are very familiar with, with McAllen. So we try to promote, of course, tourism. We try to help each other out with different best practices, whether it's uh, more with our fire department than the police department, because they're, they're different over there as far as law enforcement. But, of course, always pushing for economic development, for tourism, for commerce and trade. And that's what we do. And, uh, of course, it, it, and some of it is whenever you get a little chance, you have a little bit of fun, too. When, when uh, partnerships like this come together, uh, when they congeal, what, what goes into selecting, you know, how, how, do the, how, do you, how does uh, Puerto Vallarta and McAllen, you know, team up? How does that selection process well, go? We started off because, of course, I think we don't know we have a, an airline that went directly. Unfortunately, we don't have it anymore, but we started and we're going to keep on pushing because that was a great route for a lot of our residents. They like to vacation in Mexico. A lot of their people would like to come to McGowan. Uh, that uh, Aromat is no longer with us, but we're working and trying to figure out what it is. But generally, we want to have uh, municipalities that are similar to ours, uh, at least size-wise, and, and that can offer, for example, Apodaca. Even though Apodaca is a lot bigger, about population of about 700,000, for commerce and trade, it's a perfect partner. Tampico, we're probably looking to do a sister city agreement with them. Tampico, we went last month and we learned quite a bit from Tampico. So it's, it's kind of amazing you would think, what do we learn from 
from Mexico? Well, let me tell you, I'm going to start a new program that I got an idea, the idea from Tampico. Over there, it's called Tampico Beria. Well, over here will be McAllen Chimes. And really, it's educating the young people about keeping our city clean. It is amazing what they've been able to accomplish in a few years, and I think we can do it also. And we're in a position probably much better than they were a few years ago. I think we're going to change the calendar. We will take away uh, from from the little ones up, and that's how we're, we're going to do it. So there's different things we can always do. Joining us on 710KURV, the mayor of the mighty city of McAllen, Javier Villalobos, joins us now on 710KURV. Go ahead, Davey. Uh, mayor, it, this just sounds to me like a, a way to travel to exotic locales on the city's dime. Mm-hmm. I'm not serious. I'm not serious. Davis! God bless. <laughs> no, no, um, well, you got to go there to check it out. Um, I've been to Tampico. No, I really I liked it. I've not been to Puerto Vallarta. The, one of the things I noticed uh, when um, Gordon Wood spoke about Mexico, he said that local mayors are doing a good job of, of knowing mayors across the river and that governors are kind of doing the same thing. He was not complimentary about the way Washington works. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you all are able to do with the mayors across the way and how that how that works out? How does it uh, work out to our benefit and to their benefit too, please? Well, well certainly. Uh, as when I became mayor, we started trying to get a much more closer relationship with the area, with the border. And because I think we all know, even though we, we start thinking about regionally, thinking regionally, well, thinking regionally is the Rio Grande, but mm-hmm. at the very end, the prizes. you have uh, Tamaulipas, you have Reynosa with over a million people, Monterrey, so we got to start thinking more about the whole region. And I'm talking about northern Mexico, south Texas. What's going on right now is incredible. It's an opportunity that you hardly ever see. And what we're talking about is near choring. And <clears throat> the company's coming back to northern Mexico. And, of course, we yeah. are the beneficiaries or have been of what's going on. So knowing the people, knowing what's going on really helps out. Uh, in communicating and engaging with the different companies when they know that we work together instead of, hey, everybody's by themselves and, and let's see what happens. No, we have a very good communication with, with Nuevo Leon, with Tamaulipas, uh, Jalisco, and actually just got invited to Durango, but we're, we need to kind of, you know, take our time and make yeah. sure that everything that we do is official. And you know what? When we go, usually it's a very small team to find out how it is and if you go, and I, I kind of know exactly what you're talking about, people think it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times we get maybe one, two hours to ourselves whenever we have a trip. Uh, it, it is very tiring, but it's very beneficial to our community. Hey, let's talk about some of that work that you guys have been laying down, this foundation between McAllen and Puerto Vallarta for the this new partnership as sister cities. Um, McAllen Mayor Javier Villalobos joining us on 710KURV. So plans for the future between McAllen and Puerto Vallarta. Now, I know you can't name specifics or, or what have you, but give us a, a broad pr- a picture of uh, wh- what's, in the, what's in the cards for us. Well, a lot of it, when it comes to Puerto Vallarta, it is probably going to be more tourism than, than commercial, commerce, and trade. And so we're right now looking at, we want to make sure that they know who we are. I mean, as far, it, it is amazing what has happened with McCallum these past few years. 
we've been in the national spotlight. We've been so Washington has been paying more attention to us. So has the state of Texas, and Mexico has been recognizing us. And it's it's really the area, but people view the area as McAllen, even though it's you know the, a whole bunch of different cities, and it's beneficial. It, it is beneficial. So whether it's tourism, commerce, trade, whatever it is, we're going to work it. And we're going to work it as much as we can right now, as they say, well, while it's hot. So we, we're, we're going to keep on doing it. Mayor, this is Davis Rankin again. One of the things Gordon Wood said that really surprised me was that the, the governor of Nuevo León, where, where, where is Monterey, is a, a really young man. He and his wife are active on social media, but that uh, he has um, he he's really uh, pushed the modernization of of the state, and they have some sort of plan to redo the highway that goes all the way to the Columbia Bridge outside Laredo, which is a major, major, major crossing uh, crossing for them. Do you know anything about this, and how do we how do we shave off some of that business for for us? Well, I think really the business that we want is the business going south. Uh, what you're talking about is Colombia going from Mexico through the Laredo area, or actually a little bit west of the Laredo area, but that needs a lot of improvement. Uh, Columbia Bridge has been around for since 95, I believe, and it's never really been able to take off properly. It's going to take a lot of work before that really does happen, so I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Whereas, for example, us in Antalduas, once we open up in in, in October, hopefully of next year, I mean, we're ready to go. And people know our area. They know that how safe it is when it comes to the tollway from here to Monterrey to Apodaca, Guadalupe. And even though we always wish everybody the best, we know that there's issues going from Nuevo León through uh, from Monterrey, Apodaca area to the Laredo area. Mm-hmm. I hope that gets better. There's enough business for everybody when it comes to that. Much excited about the upcoming uh, holiday parade. Any uh, any inside info you want to give us uh, before we go? We're we're barely starting. Uh, we're we're starting the planning and everything. So that takes a lot of work. So we start off even right now. But I'm pretty sure that look, if it was raining last year and we had over two hundred thousand, hopefully we have good weather and exceed what we did two years ago, two hundred sixty-five thousand people. Mm-hmm. It is a it, it is very beneficial to our community. And, you know, the, the amount of, of time we put into it, the amount of money we put into it, you know, it, it is just, it, it's amazing what we're able to do and the benefit we get as a community as a whole. McAllen's the place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, another, another great event uh, coming down the line from the city of McAllen. Thanks a lot. Javier Villalobos is the mayor of the city of McAllen, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. After many years together, things got boring. The spark was gone. Even on date night, we had nothing to talk about. Until we started listening to News Talk 710 KURV, now we have plenty to talk about. I am so angry. I've long overdue for me to speak my mind about this. Never a dull moment, and there's plenty to talk about. We're the Valley's News and Talk Station. News Talk 710 KURV. 
This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. We are joined now by Tim Snyder from Matador Economics, matadoreconomics.com. You can get the newsletter and, and sign up over there. And we're, we're talking about gas prices. Now, I saw a little bit of a jump uh, earlier, well, actually today, this week, when I was putting gas, <laughs> when, when uh, I was already about half a tank, and I go, it's how much? And, uh, yeah, that's when I stopped putting gas and uh, debated finding a different mode of transportation. But uh, let's talk about the gas prices for a second, Tim. What's going on? Well, good, good afternoon. It's good to be with you guys again. Um, I will tell you that uh, gas prices are rising we were up 16.6 cents week over week in gasoline and 22.2 cents week over week in diesel fuel. The reason these prices are rising, first and foremost, is that um, demand uh, demand is stronger with the economy being stronger. And we've talked about this many times on you guys' show. The economy is stronger than what the market had anticipated. That's number one. And number two, you have the Russians that cut back an additional 500,000 barrels per day in crude oil production, and you have the Saudis that have cut back uh, at least that much as well. So we've got a global cutback in production in anticipation of maybe a, a recession at the end of this year. Whether that happens or not, we're certainly going to see inflation return and rear its ugly head. Yeah, it's it's a very good news, bad news type of forecast. But I think the most disappointing part was, hey, so the good news is, right, people are uh, demanding more gasoline because they're going out and doing stuff again. But that's also driving up the gas prices. <laughs> so there, there's always right. something, right? There's always something that kind of messes everything up. That is so true. And, you know, the, 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 we are increasing uh, our ability to go out and do things to the point of where now the price, like when you were filling up your tank just the other day, uh, you know, now we're actually curtailing some of that activity. 62% of the people that were, that were uh, uh, questioned about this uh, in a poll this morning said that they are going to back off or curtail some of their driving activities due to the higher prices. Ay, ay, ay. So last week, and this is anecdotal, but I saw gas at, I think, 339 around here. And then today, right. driving into the studio, I think I saw it at four, no, 346, I think. Davey, is that what uh, you I don't know. Davey, you did, Davey didn't look. But I'm I go to Costco. Like so. <laughs> yes, Davey, thank you for rubbing it in. I'll send them an, I'll send them an invoice. I, I'm going to have to start borrowing your card, Davey. That's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to make it an outing. But no, no relief in the future, huh, Tim? I'm not seeing anything right now, and I will tell you that the entire West Coast, and that's Washington, Oregon, California, uh, is above $4 uh, a gallon on an average uh, for gasoline prices right now, and diesel is uh, is rapidly approaching that $4 mark. Um, you know, this, this could be a really bad time for uh, as we, you know, poor kiddos that are heading back to college that got to drive back up to school. That's going to hit them real hard. Uh, and it's going to hit it's going to hit us at harvest time kind of hard too because I don't expect these prices to come down uh, soon. 
Tim Snyder from Matador Economics joins us on News Talk 710 KURV. Davis Rankin, go ahead. This is kind of a shot in the dark question because I really want to ask you about uh, Ford pickups. But uh, with the peso rising against the dollar, stronger against the dollar, does that have anything, does that have any effect on uh, Mexican uh, oil and gas sales into the U.S. if they do? I don't even know if they do. Well, I will tell you in the last probably you know, two days, we've seen the dollar move from you know, last week. We were in the middle of the week. We were a little bit below par in the dollar. Um, right now, we are uh, back above at about 102 in the U.S. dollar. So it's strengthened a little bit. And that's just on the strength of the of the GDP, durable goods, PCE, all that kind of stuff, just telling the markets that we are stronger here in the U.S. Um, that will have an effect on price, but but I'm telling you, it's it's right now it's just kind of a crapshoot. Let me ask you about uh, something I heard in passing on the news about midday that the Mr. Biden had ordered some new fuel efficiency move for Ford trucks. Yes, do you know anything about it? I've been looking for it online. I can't find it. It's not just Ford trucks. It's all vehicles. And he's talking about raising the CAFE standards. That's it. Uh, on these vehicles by 20, I think they said by uh, 2028, uh, to a restrictive level where it's going to be almost impossible for an yeah. internal combustion engine vehicle to meet the CAFE standard. They're, they're supposed to change. What, what is that, though? What is the, what did you yeah. say, the CAFE standard? Mileage per gallon. It's called CAFE standard. Yeah, it's exactly right. Miles per gallon, I guess I should have said it's that. It's supposed to become more fuel efficient, but usually they give them yes. a few years and there's moaning, and but they do it. This one, I thought, was every year there's a change in the CAFE yes, standards. That well, is correct. Now, Each year there's an incremental change, and they released this news Friday afternoon about 4.30 <laughs> uh, Texas time. I'm laughing. So they snuck it in. Yeah, and it's it's just dirty pool. It's just more dirty pool. It's going to continue to be dirty pool. How can now this is what my how can the president, any president, uh, just order? So let it be written. So let it be done. Remember when they you're old enough to remember Richard Nixon when they called him the imperial president? Jesus, yes, I do. He, he he's a carbuncle. I mean, he's nothing compared to what. Uh, to what modern-day presidents do. I thought that was set by Congress and not by the administration. Well, the, the CAFE standards and the approval of all this, you know, yes, they do have to go through and get a bill to approve this because there's a there's a, a fiscal note attached to it because there is some cost. Okay. Uh, and there's going to be some offsets on this thing. But first and foremost, you've got to understand that, that we're in uncharted territory on executive orders. And, you know, Biden continues to throw these executive orders out as well as his, um, you know, the uh, ABC type in, you know, agencies like yeah. FDA, uh, you know, I know where you're going to, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they're all the there is a a almost a deep state conspiracy. I hate to say it, but it's almost that's what it looks like. It's just bureaucrats. The agencies are setting their own standards. Yes, the bureaucrats are running the asylum. Well. Uh, before I get before we run out of time, this uh, is called the administrative state. That is to say, right. the the view on the right with us right wingers is if if Congress wants them to do something, they need to put it into a law. The president, as the executive, the ex executor of the laws, has some flexibility, 
but not this much flexibility in deciding how to execute those laws because it reaches a point where they are creating law. Their execution amounts to a new law, and this is Republicans and Democrats, but it grows from administration to administration. They started to turn that back. Uh, it's taken them decades to get people in place to litigate the yeah. administrative state, which is about as exciting as, I mean, I like it, right? But you can't pick up girls saying, hey, you want to hear about the administrative state? It won't work that way. <laughs> but it no, puts... It depends what part of town you're in. Well, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I got to try. <laughs> anyway, this, this, uh, this, this is a palsied fear to people who like lots of, admin, lots of regulation, uh, dare I say liberals. This makes them lose their lunch. Because it's been decades, yeah. the piling up of authority in the, in the bureaucracy. Because instead of Congress saying, here's what we want you to do, they say, this is where we want you. You guys figure it out there in the Department of Agriculture. And, and, and so the minions in the Department of Agriculture, they just go nuts. They go crazy. And they've been upheld. They've been upheld in the courts until yeah. recently. Hey, let me ask you, Tim, uh, before we go. Before your eyes. What do you What do you think okay. about uh, the Biden administration killing off the Easy Bake ovens with no more incandescent bulbs? <laughs> you know, that just hurts my heart because you know the incandescent bulb was the one that you can turn on and know you're safe and it comes to life immediately. My house is still full of incandescent bulbs because I bulbs because I still have a bunch, but um, and don't come raid me and tell me that we're in trouble. So. Anyway, it is it is what it is, um, and they will continue to do this through the EPA and through many other of the alphabet mess that they have. And if they get challenged in court, they'll just ignore it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's the end of an era. I mean, this kills off the Easy Bake Oven. I'm not I'm not lying to you. Like this is <laughs> this is how that ends. I'm going to Mexico to get my incandescent because you can't you can't cook little tiny cupcakes with an LED bulb. I'm sorry. We'll hook you up, Tim. We'll hook you up. Just put your order in. Send us an email. I know we're gonna. Yeah, he's he's gonna be a, a smuggler. It's gonna be the black the, the black market. Of, uh, at Matador Economics. Thanks a lot, Tim. Appreciate it as usual. Get the, the newsletter at matadoreconomics.com. That's Tim Snyder, oil and gas expert and economist, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radiopotomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.